We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in. Another week, another show, and K-State has a men's basketball hire. How about that? Welcome in on KC Sports Network. I'm John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. Derek Young of K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former Manhattan Mercury beat writer and still one of the most connected guys around when it comes to K-State. And that has come in very handy over the last week, week and a half, uh, as K-State's coaching search wraps up. It is not Brad Underwood. We're going to talk plenty of Brad Underwood. Don't you worry about that. We'll give you some of the details of what went down between K-State and Brad and why it didn't work out and how the Wildcats got to Jerome Tang to be the new men's basketball coach. We'll remind you real quick before we get off and running here, we really appreciate 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery, all the work that they have done to support everything here at KCSN. Certainly appreciate that. And this is the perfect time to go grab some 360 Vodka and pour yourself a nice little celebratory drink, right? I mean, let's see. I got got a drink right here. Just make sure you have some 360 vodka in that thing and uh, celebrate K-State making what is being lauded pretty universally as a good hire. I mean, Jeff Goodman, we saw earlier today, Matt Norlander was all about it. And he is somebody that said this was arguably the best power six assistant in the country. And this has been an invoke thing to do. You have a lot of coaches like at Arizona, at North Carolina, at Texas Tech that followed this same pattern that K-State is going with with Jerome Tang, the longtime assistant that had not been a head coach before taking that head coaching job and K-State does the invoke thing and gets arguably the best power six assistant in the country. Uh, D.Y., I'll start with you. I mean, you're somebody that's in the trenches every day talking about this. You know the business really well. You hear from people from all different angles. It's hard to find anybody that is not pretty pretty happy with this hire from a K-State standpoint and then nationally somebody that doesn't think that this is a pretty smart move right now. Yeah, no, I would agree. And to be honest, I haven't seen anyone on a, on a national scale that is not raped about it. Um, I think if you put a lot of these guys up to the lie detector test, some of them would probably say, you know, Kansas State may have made the best hire of all, you know, the high major schools that were, you know, in, in the middle of a coaching search, even though that they were they were one of the ones to probably make a decision on their hire the latest. But Jerome Tang is, like you said, kind of a trend that – that was successful last year but when North Carolina hired Hubert Davis, Texas Tech went with Mark Adams. And the one that's probably a mirror image, at least as a candidate, was Tommy Lloyd taking the Arizona job because he had yeah. worked with Mark Fulick and Zaga for 20 years or, or near 20 years. And if you think about it, Kansas State was the only one that really tried to duplicate that success. 
which is typically a copycat type of thing. That's why you see in the NFL, you know, everyone was looking for that next Sean McVay for the longest time. And you saw a lot of hires made because of that. But Kansas State was really the only school, at least to this point, that went to the well of a, a high major uh, assistant coach, associate head coach that had been on a staff for, for quite a while. Everyone else kind of went mid-major head coach or, you know, took someone from a lateral position. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But this is clearly a universally beloved hire and, and, and not just within national media, you alluded to it as well. It's the first time I've seen the Kansas State fan base unified behind one coach in quite some time. It, it took Ever? some time. Ever? Yeah, it took some time. It kind of evolved a little bit under climbing, even if not to this scale. And this one has kind of even blown that one out of the park, even after the first, you know, revolt against climbing at first, then it, the water's kind of calmed there, to, for lack of a better phrase, I guess you want to say. But uh, no, this is universally beloved with, even within the fan base, probably more than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, K-State hit it out of the park with the way the fans are praising this hire. It, it seems that a fractured fan base is now unified again with the Jerome Tang news. And yeah, K-State fans all over social media, you get on the message boards, everybody seems united and thinking that this is a great hire. So credit to Gene Taylor, everyone in the athletic department that made this work. I mean, I think consensus was that, at least among us, that Jerome Tang, once you got past Brad Underwood, was was probably the best option uh, for Kansas State. I like the high upside higher rather than the known floor. I rather go with a guy like Jerome Tang that has the upside, has a higher ceiling than a guy that's been fired, like an Archie Miller or someone like that. Um, or a mid-major guy. Now, mid-major guys can have higher ceilings as well, but Jerome Tang just has that high upside, the recruiting connections, the staff that he could assemble. Uh, I think it's perfect for Kansas State, and I I'm really excited. I mean, uh, texting tons of people uh, this last 24 hours, everybody seems to be thrilled. I think it's a home run, and uh, really looking forward to the staff that he assembles. I think Kansas State's going to make some inroads recruiting that they haven't done in a long time. I think there's going to be a lot of talent that's going to come to Manhattan. And, you know, when Jerome Tang steps in that living room of kids, and we saw a video today of him with his national championship ring, right? Baylor has become the new blue blood in college basketball. Everybody has seen what they've done. They won the Big 12 or had a share of the Big 12 title back-to-back -back years. They won the national championship. They've been to five sweet 16s over the last 10 plus years, right? I mean, it's been a great program. And now you've got the associate head coach that helped build that program. When he when he walks into that living room of kids, he's going to really be able to sell that. And not to mention the fact that he's incredibly personable. His personality is really going to relate to parents of kids. He's a former youth pastor. pastor. So, I mean, this is a guy that's really going to win over parents when he gets in that room. Uh, I think he's going to really hit it out of the park when it comes to recruiting. Well, I mean, there's there's a reason. I've listened to so many people describe him, ask people at Baylor about him. The first thing that you hear from virtually anybody is that he is a great recruiter. Uh, I was listening to John Morris earlier today, who's the Baylor play-by-play -play voice doing an interview. That was the first thing he said. Like, man, first of all, like this, this dude's going to get guys. Um, he is a really good recruiter. He has connections all throughout the state of Texas. He has connections throughout the coaching community. I mean, I think it's really exciting to think about what his staff is going to be, and we're going to talk about that certainly coming up here. Um, but even beyond that, if you just trace his time being the associate head coach at Baylor, so if you're 
looking for some info, like the, the kind of Jerome Tang file. He'd been with Scott Drew for 19 years at Baylor. They took over the worst situation possibly in college basketball history that anybody's taken over, and they took it to a national championship. He was just a regular assistant until five years ago when he became the associate head coach, the number two on the bench. Well, when did Baylor really snap their fingers and go from being a good program to an elite program? Well, it was about three or four years ago. So it coincides pretty much with the time where he stepped up to become the number two guy. He's going to be able to get dudes. He knows the transfer market. He's not going to shy away from that. I think that was something Bruce Weber. It took some convincing to get him on, on top of the transfers, right? Like Jerome Tang is not somebody at 55 years old. He's not somebody that's behind the curve at all. He knows exactly where this game is going. Um, I think it's some of the things that we've heard about potentially what, what he wants commitment-wise from K-State. He understands the importance of NIL, all these different things. Like he is going to get players, and, and that I think is – the name of the game in college basketball above all else, and just incredibly exciting. And the other part about this that's crazy, and this can maybe lead us into some of how the coaching search went down, which I think it was an unbelievably well-executed coaching search. But the thing everybody wanted with Brad Underwood, right, and the reason that you were willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money for Underwood, who's already being paid like one of the top 15 coaches in college basketball, is because you thought, well, this would be the slam dunk hire that just unifies the fan base. Like everybody loves Brad. He's an alum. He's successful winning back-to-back Big Ten championships. No doubt if he came to K-State, everybody would be unified and wouldn't have any more of this splintering that happened for the entirety of the Bruce Weber era, even through two Big 12 championships. Well, we all just said it. I mean, it's as unified as K-State Twitter certainly has been in the time that I think Twitter has existed. We have not seen the fan base like this universally just happy in a long time. You basically got the Brad Underwood effect by paying about half the money because the starting salary for Jerome Tang is going to be $2.1 million. Now, if this goes the way that everybody expects it to go or hopes that it will go, you're going to have to up that pretty quick. But I think you get the point. You're not having to pay some crazy buyout DUI here, and you still get a guy with a higher upside. I would say that Underwood, who's never been past the round of 32 in his entire coaching career so far, I mean, this is a dude that was right there for a national championship not that long ago and is still waving around that big, giant, fat ring in the video. Um I just think there's a ton to like with that. You got the unifying effect. You got arguably a higher ceiling. It comes at a cheaper price. Uh, I would, I guess, in a nutshell, DY, maybe you agree with this, maybe you disagree with it. I think higher ceiling, potentially lower floor because he's never been a head coach. It seems like Underwood has a pretty high floor, but you definitely made a hire that is going to give you, I think, a bigger upside in the end. I think it's uh, perhaps a bigger upside. I mean, you'd hope, I mean, the upside with Underwood we've already seen is also two Big Ten championships already. So it can Jerome Tate win two Big 12 championships, the, the, the past head coach did. So, I mean, it's not beyond, you know, anyone's wildest dreams at all. And I, I would consider this to be a very forward-thinking hire because when it comes to Jerome Tang, especially when you look at maybe the rest of the candidates in the field, and I know a lot of them were younger, but – he is someone that, like you said, really kind of gets it when it comes to maybe the new modern era of college athletics, when it comes to the NIL, the transfer portal. He has been definitely more welcoming and embracing the new era and, and how to relate to that new kid despite being 55 years old because, you know, this isn't the same college student that we've been accustomed to maybe at the beginning of the Bruce Weber tenure. And and that's probably why it kind of fizzled out near the end. So I think it's a very forward thinking hire and you started to touch on it and I would agree with it. 
that the pull that Jerome Tang has is probably what really might set him apart when it does come to upside, at least in comparison to the other candidates that might have been considered for the job because he can perhaps unlock something that I'm not sure any candidate could have. Um, I'll pull it from actually a premium article that we did at K-State Online, what a source told me. So this is kind of a sneak peek into that. But here's the quote. It says, Coach Tang has so much pull in the industry, so we don't know what he might be able to pull off in the next few weeks and months. Some assistants and some recruits that otherwise might not be available very well could be. So I think that's just a sneak peek into he he could really raise your ceiling and probably open up doors that probably wouldn't have been there with any other coach. Yeah, a, a couple things on those connections, guys, that he has. I mean, he's got connections throughout uh, America when it comes to college basketball. And I listened to a podcast trying to familiarize myself with him more. Uh, Sikkim 365 podcast that he recorded in November of 2020 with those guys. And it was a great listen. And he talked about how with Alvin Brooks, one of the other assistants, former K-State assistant, now Baylor assistant, when the pandemic hit, they formed a podcast to, or it wasn't a podcast, but they formed a meeting where they did like Zoom meetings weekly with other young up and coming coaches to just try and guide them, help them. He built relationships through through that mechanism with some of those coaches, he talked about how, you know, he developed some relationships and, you know, who was the next Yurlik Maligi is a game name that he mentioned. Um, he was a Texas tech assistant with Chris Beard now at Texas, you know, and helping identify some of those up and coming coaches. He wanted to help them. He connected with them. The other thing that he talked about, this is a guy that's going to build relationships. He knows how to build relationships with kids, with parents, with everybody. And when you look at what he has done. He, he talks on this podcast about how he would take the Baylor players out to breakfast and they would talk to each other, you know, about family traditions, Christmas traditions. He told a story about how uh, his family, they buy matching Christmas pajamas every Christmas Eve. They take a picture in them. My wife makes me do that as well uh, with the kids. And he told a story about how Ishmael Rainwright, a former Baylor player just a few years ago, came back to Jerome, sent him a picture with his family with Christmas pajamas on. And it just shows, you know, he builds long-term relationships with these kids and it's meant to last. Uh, I think he's a guy that the, the players that you want to keep on this current roster at Kansas state, the Nigel packs, the Marquise Noels and others that he's going to really relate to as well, because Baylor is a program that has put guys in the league in the NBA and they see what he's done with guards. They see what Baylor's done with guards. They had the best guards in the country last year. You know, Adam Flagler, Macy Oteague, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, you know, a couple of those guys are in the NBA now. And you hit on it, D.Y., with the transfer portal. Uh, Baylor has been one of the best programs in America in working the transfer portal over the last couple of years. James Akinjo, a stud. You look at uh, Flagler from Presbyterian, a transfer. They identified those guys. Macy Oteague was a star last year, third-team All-American for Baylor at guard. Every J. John came from UNLV. I can't pronounce his name, so I'm just saying that. John there you go. I can count on my man, John, to do that. So they they have identified guys in the portal that were fits and some of lower level guys that tended up being stars in the Big 12. So just great talent evaluator in Jerome Tang, and they've made it work. I, I just think it, it's a terrific hire by Kansas State. Ultimately, it's going to be decided by wins, right? Uh, we got to see what he's going to do. You have to be patient with it. But uh, I think K-State hit it out of the park here, and I'm excited to see the future. And I, I think 
the fit, I think, is very important, too, because K-State is an institution. Like, everything you're saying about this guy, relationship building, it seems very Chris Kleiman-esque, which seems to have resonated very well at K-State, which, one, is how you get to the new kind of athlete that you have to in, in mm-hmm. 2022. Um, but also, like, K-State is a place that's – let's be – like, it, it's pretty, like, friendly. I'm kind of – I'm trying to – Total the line of like using the right words here without being offensive, but you, you're going to want to pretty friendly and down to earth and humble. And that's what he is while still being very cutting edge and, and developing all these relationships and being a stud recruiter. Like, I, I guess I'll put it this way. Like Cole, when, when K-State hired Huggins, you know, I mean, Huggins had all these connections to recruits and big time recruits. That was like the OJ Mayo, Michael Beasley, Bill Walker, but you kind of thought of Huggins as like this, like wheeling, dealing, little slimy, little greasy, like Delonte 400K, Delonte Hill, who was here. You thought of him as like this slimy, little greasy. I mean, and I don't mean to totally tear these guys down, but it, it felt different than what this feels like. But I think you can still get, I mean, maybe not Michael Beasley caliber players coming in here, but you're still getting a guy who can be a stud recruiter while doing it in kind of a, a K-State way, like a K-State fit that's a little more homely. Than, than what a Bob Huggins would have been? Like, if that makes sense, does that characterization seem accurate? I, th- I think it makes sense. I mean, look, he's a he's clearly talked that you you read the things he says, you listen to him talk. He's a, he's a man of faith. He believes in doing things the right way. Uh, you know, he, he I think he is a great cultural fit for Kansas State. Um, and, and the other thing that I really like, John, is, you know, he knows the Big 12. Right. He's been in this league for 19 years. He's a terrific regional fit. I mean, Texas is we talk about him football all the time. You know, you got to recruit the state of Texas if you're Kansas State. Well, Kansas State's got one of the best recruiters in the state of Texas on staff. And I think he's going to add and we'll talk about it in a bit on his staff. But I think he's going to add guys under other coaching staffs that have learned from other coaches that are in the Big 12 as well. I mean, I think he's going to have at least another guy or two on his staff that have Big 12 ties. So uh, they understand this league. They know how to adapt. Um, I think it, it's just a great fit when it comes from that perspective as well. Yeah, I got a few things. And, John, you touched on it too. It's kind of a little bit of the comparison to Kleiman. Because I, you think about Jerome Tang. He's, Chris Kleiman was a national champion. Now Jerome Tang's a national champion. Yep. Chris Kleiman preached the servant leadership thing. I've seen it in multiple platforms and mediums that uh, Jerome Tang has used in terms of media, which he, he does a lot of media. And he kind of uses it as a vehicle to get his message out there and I think be exposed to recruits um, on a constant basis, but he also preaches servant leadership. So I wonder, you know, that was probably pretty much the reason why Gene Taylor became infatuated him with quite a bit, because we know Gene Taylor really, really likes Chris Kleiman. And when Jerome Tang comes through on these interviews, very much like Chris Kleiman, I can see why Gene Taylor probably had that connection and soared him to the top of the list uh, just because of those comparisons and similarities. One guy that I would also compare him to, and, he, and he's the basketball version of this hire, I think. I think I mentioned this in, a, in one of our group chats, actually. Texas Tech just hired Joey McGuire on the football side, longtime head coach at the high school level in the state of Texas. That was beloved in a hire that was universally praised very similarly to this one and it had a lot of steam behind it and, and a lot of buzz in general and a guy with a lot of energy. So he he's very much seems like, a little bit the basketball version of Texas Tech hiring Joey McGuire. Some more overlap there. Where did Joey McGuire come from? He came from Baylor, even though it was Baylor football. So it just kind of speaks to what that athletic department has been up to yeah. in the 
in the past uh, handful of years, they've, they've had it pretty good there. And, and the last thing to take away is he's ingratiated himself to the students in this fan base quite a bit already because he definitely knows what tunes to hit. I, I think I've seen him mentioned three different times and, and three different places, even since the hire became somewhat official, even last night was, you know, wanting to pack the octagon of doom. He's using the octagon of doom, using it in a standard language. I'm not sure if a hurricane state coach do that at least any time in, in the recent, you know, recent past and having the best home court advantage in the country. I mean, he seems very much committed to that and is very much ingratiating his family because that's what they want to hear. And he's giving them everything that they want to hear. He's, he's, you know, feeding their appetite at this point. Yeah. And I, I almost feel bad bringing this up because it's, it's a situation in which a lot of people would trip up and I understand how this mistake is made, but Cole will definitely remember this. Look, Bruce Weber stepped into a situation that was not enviable because of nothing that was his fault. The, the, situation John Curry created with Frank Martin and so much fan unrest and angst. And then you bring in this guy who had just been fired at Illinois and Bruce Weber. Do you remember Cole, the misstep that I'm going to bring up here at his opening press conference when DY is talking about, Hey, things already all over the octagon of doom. And then Bruce who's already fighting an uphill battle and people aren't happy about it. There's a protest going on outside steps up to his opening press conference and references Ernie Barnett uh-huh. instead of Ernie Barrett's, you know, I mean, it was just like, every little thing that could have gone wrong to get off on the wrong foot there for him. Yeah. The opposite right now with Tim. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I completely remember that situation unfolding. Um, and that caused a lot of K-State fans who were already upset with the hire to then erupt. Right. And social media was just kind of becoming more of a thing, Twitter, et cetera. Uh, K-State, the message boards, K-State fans uh, were not happy with that mistake and that slip up. It's just a, a slip of the word of the mouth, but look, that was a knock on Bruce Weber. He wasn't great when it came to speaking in the in the public realm with the media, et cetera, some of the things that he said. Actually, I think it was one of his biggest downfalls, to be honest. It, it was his ability to not convey his thoughts in a way that won the fan base over and a lot of excuses, et cetera. Well, we've heard Jerome Tang speak, all right? This is a guy that's going to win when it comes to public relations. He's going to win the press conference. He's going to do great with the media. He does a ton of interviews. Uh, I think that's, that's a key part of it. I mean, I think that's part of why the fan base will really be bought into him because he's going to say the right things. Um, and that's going to really draw in the fan base and they're going to appreciate that. So yeah, I, I do remember that situation, John, and, uh, <laughs> it's a good call out. Well, let me, let me bring this up because I, the people, you know, if there are detractors out there, which again, there are not many at all, but if you were going to play devil's advocate here, you would say, all right, well, so this guy's 55, he's been with Drew for 19 years why hasn't he gone and taken a head coaching job? Like I I will admit if I'm going to do take integrity here, I mean, I've kind of killed Oklahoma for, I'm not crazy about the Brett Venables hire for them. And he was a long time assistant who just never took the job, never took the job, never took the job. Now, a lot of that to me is about Oklahoma versus K-State. I think at K-State, that would have been an excellent hire. Um, You know, if Duke were hiring Jerome Tang, I might evaluate it a little bit differently, but K-State is not Duke. But there is this thing of like, why didn't why weren't people beating down his door years before? One, I think the the national championship that does it. Like you win a national title, people are gonna come looking around. Like, all right, we, we need to take something off of this. Like you guys are clearly doing something better than what you were doing before. He is also someone that's had interest before, and I think his personality. And Scott Drew has mentioned this multiple times that he's had 
job opportunities in years past and not he's not gone out of his way chasing jobs because he was content with the situation at Baylor. He was very happy with where he was. All his connections are in Texas. He is this very humble guy. He's not somebody that's driven by the money or prestige or power, like all those things um, factor into it. And he was, let's be honest, like in a position where he could be picky. Like that's a pretty nice cushy job to be making six figures, be the number two to Scott Drew, not deal with the pressure, utilize all your connections and be winning at the highest of high levels in the big 12 in a place where you're really comfortable. So you don't have to go crazy over whatever job opportunity it is that you get. We also now know that like Matt Norlander referenced, he's had opportunities before and was arguably the best power six assistant out there. I've heard a lot of talk about Cincinnati was very interested in him uh, when they made their last hire. We know that there, I was told by Baylor folks that there were five other schools that at least requested to talk with him. Um, here this cycle and Gene Taylor in the video of him talking to the team said that K-State was the only one he actually talked to. I don't know how much. Do you believe that? I was going to say, I don't know how much stock he actually put into that, but you know, um, just floating it out there. (laughs) Point being, there have been other opportunities he's interested in. And I think the thing that should strike you is a guy that's had options and certainly was going to have options now after the national championship and three straight years, basically being a number one seed caliber team. He chose this one where he's going to have to go up against his former squad every year, but it's because this is a place the guy's been coming to for 19 years. Like he knows what Bramlage is like when it's full. He knows how loud it can be. There have been some games against really good Baylor teams there when K-State had good teams where it was loud as hell in Bramlage. He knows what the octagon of doom is like when it's rocking. He knows at least enough about the history there. He knows that you can win two big 12 championships there. He knows that you can go to regional finals there. Um, I, Honestly, like K-State was fairly similar to Baylor there for a while, maybe not quite as consistent, but they were pretty similar programs until Baylor really took off like a rocket in the last five years. So I think to me that that's what makes it still compelling and gets me a little bit over the, uh, well, hey, if this guy's 55 and never took a job before, like why? Uh, that is how I would spin it and say like, I'm uh, legitimately, I don't worry as much about that as I think I would have on paper if you would have just given me his resume and credentials. Yeah, I'm probably glossing over it a little bit too. Uh, one thing, I, I really do like that he references the Octagon of Doom so much already and he has just embraced that. I think that's really cool. I, I think for him, location did matter. I think regional fit did matter. I think he's a believer in that and didn't want to go out of his comfort zone. And I think that is why he has rebuffed you know, some up some other opportunities. Were they high major jobs? A little skeptical of that, though I think he probably had opportunities to at least engage in more serious discussions with high major other high major programs and chose not to. Did he only talk to Kansas State of the high major schools this time? I have my doubts, but I think he Kansas State was the only one that he really delved into on a serious level. I think I I believe that part. Um and I think that he turned down head coaching opportunities in the past in multiple years. I just think those were probably mid-major jobs because I don't think that he was going to leave his cushy pedestal platform at Baylor, which was basically like you alluded to the, some, the, the comparison being Brett Venables, what he was at Clemson. I don't think he was going to leave that until he had a high major opportunity that he believed in. And that was a fit for him and his family. And I think a big 12 job was just the ticket for him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, we, we talked about it on our last show. I mean, that was the one knock when we brought up Jerome Tang's name is, you know, the fact that he hadn't left Scott Drew's side in 19 years. And it was kind of the Sean Snyder effect to me where he never left Bill Snyder's side. And, you know, there was no chance he was going to get the K-State job when you just continue to sit under Bill Snyder. But, I mean, you got you, you go back to Jeff Goodman on March 12th. He tweeted, you know, people ask me who the next Tommy Lloyd is, who's now the Arizona coach, right? And he said, consensus is it's Jerome Tang. And so that was 10 days ago, 11 days ago. You know, it seems like this is just a very universal, respected hire by people that really know college hoops. And that gives me a great deal of comfort um, because these people know Jerome Tang. They talk to a lot of people in the industry. And the fact that it's being so respected universally from those folks makes me feel very comforted that K-State made the right decision here. And look what look what Arizona's doing right now under Tommy Lloyd, yeah. too, in the first year. Yeah, now I think something that needs to be uh, brought up here, like recognized in all of this, is how the hiring process went. And and I would give Gene Taylor and K-State a, I mean, easily a passing grade in the way that all of this went down. And th- this is where I think you're going to get some details here that you're probably not going to find anywhere else in terms of the Brad Underwood chase, which is obviously where all of this centered on for a long time and it was pretty hot and heavy and look underwood just lost in the ncaa tournament within the last couple of days so it's easy you know if you were going to say well hey we didn't see any like agent leaks get out there to the goodmans of the world you didn't have the national guys talking about there being conversations like did this actually happen no it happened and a lot of this stuff goes through the back channels and it definitely was in this case and the way case they played this was hey, Brad Underwood reaches out with some interest. You're like, okay, well, I guess we need to pursue this. 
K-State wound up making a big, big boy offer uh, to Brad Underwood, and he didn't jump all over it if the answer was an outright no before the NCAA tournament, if it wasn't quite that. I mean, it sounds like it was at least pretty close to that, and K-State at some point just moved on to Jerome Tang. So you you, you made a big boy shot. You took your shot, right? Shoot your shot. K-State did that with Underwood, and they still had Jerome Tang this universally lauded higher weighting is kind of like the the option underneath that he didn't get there. Now, Cole and D.Y. have plenty more details than I do, so I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to share as much as you want on that front. But I just very much respect how the higher went down, where I think a lot of people, the Gene Taylor detractors out there would look at it and say, like, oh, this is this kind of like small-timey pud guy that just hired his buddy at uh, North Dakota State. And, you know, what does he really know? I mean, I think he handled this like a boss. I think he handled this like a an AD should. Made a play at the guy that would have been a universally lauded hire in Underwood and still had another one waiting even when that one didn't work out. Yeah, whether it was the number one guy or the number two guy or 1A, 1B, however you want to break it down, uh, what makes this a good process by Gene Taylor is he didn't have to go far down the list at all. Uh, like you, like I don't know that there's another school out there that really had that happen to him. Maybe Georgia because they jumped on Mike White so quickly because he was going to get fired at Florida. But, but yeah, they didn't get far down the list. And I think that's, you know, a credit to Gene Taylor and his process. Uh, they got one of their two or three favorite guys and you can't discredit them or, or knock them for doing an exceptional job on that front. And how mutual the interest was or the, the contact was between Brad Underwood and K-State, um, what, you know, obviously wasn't direct. He was still, his team was still competing in the NCAA tournament, but I mean, that was prevalent. I mean, that was happening and there was definitely mutual interest. And I do think, you know, if you're reading between the lines and want to just play back the process now, because that's kind of what I've done, a little bit of a reflection. I do think at some point, because Brad Underwood was so insistent on, I think, on being patient too and not wanting to allow this to probably distract him too much. He did have some big tournament games happening, and I don't think he wanted to rush to a decision with that going on. And, you know, I had heard that, you know, he didn't want to make a decision until after the tournament. And I think Kansas State said, you know, we have our own timeline too. So I I do wonder now reflecting on it that Kansas State moved on Jerome Tank even before they probably had a 100% rock-solid answer from Brad Underwood. If you think about it, that part would kind of make sense at this point. K-State fans should feel comforted by two simple facts here. They took their best shot at Brad Underwood. That's all you can ask. I know K-State fans would have loved to have Brad Underwood as the next coach. I would have loved Brad Underwood as the next coach. It didn't happen. Uh, but they took their best shot, and that, that's really all you could ask for. And I know for a fact that Jerome Tang was one of their top targets from the very get-go of this search, and they got him. So this was not a reach by K-State. They identified him early in the process and they still ended up getting him after they worked the back channels um, to try and get Brad Underwood. It was kind of like 1A, 1B, don't get Brad. Okay, let's get Jerome Tang. They were able to lock up Tang. So uh, I think Kansas State fans should feel very good about that fact, um, that they did not have to reach to what DY said. You didn't have to drop down to another pool of candidates, that secondary tier. They got a guy that they really liked. Well, I... And you, I mean, no, no one's no one's really diving too deep into this. I mean, look, if I'm a K State fan and I'm I'm hearing Derek yeah. Hampton, like, hey, they they may not have gotten like a final total decision from Brad. Up. Well, I'll just say what my opinion is based on what I know. And you guys again, lay out what you want to lay out 
what you feel like you can lay out here in a, in a public forum. I mean, it just felt like they were getting jerked around at, at a certain point by Brad here in this process. And this is a guy that throughout his career has jerked a lot of people around and, and, I don't really begrudge him for that because he's somebody that grinded for years at Western Illinois and at the junior college level as a head coach to finally break through and get to where he was making big money and big time jobs and coaching his team in the NCAA tournament. And he wanted the job in 2012 at K-State and John Curry didn't take him seriously. Like all of these reasons, I understand why it turns into like it's a business and you have to conduct yourself like it's a business. But this is the same guy that went through one year at Oklahoma State, a very encouraging year. And the day after his team was done in the NCAA tournament, he was on a jet to Champaign. Um, that's how he's operated in the past. And he's also gotten back-to-back raises from Illinois. And it just, you know, it felt like he was toying with K-State. Potentially, for, I mean, I don't know. You fill in the rest if you think it was trying to work for a raise from Illinois, which I don't know if that happens now based on their performance in the NCAA tournament. But it felt to me like you could just sniff out what was really happening here and that it was just way too risky, way too risky to sit around and try and wait until they were done and then wait on a decision, however long that was going to take from Brad, if he was going to take you seriously. Meanwhile, you've got Tang waiting in the wings and you can't, that's a guy with options too. You can't jerk him around too much. It just, to me, it all became like, as much as I look, I, I was, I mean, the last time we spoke to you, like I was as all in on Brad as possible. And I still think it would have been very cool. Uh, to have him here as the coach, and it would have been great. But it, it did not feel like that was the way that this was really headed, that it was going to work out. The way I would describe it is, did he negotiate this job and approach it like it was just any other job instead of perhaps what people would want him to, the way they would want him to approach his alma mater or his dream job? Yeah, I think he probably did, like you said, meet this more like a business decision rather than you know, a dream job scenario where he's, you know, making a consummate effort to come back home. So it, I guess it depends on how, if you think he should approach the job in a certain way, just because it was Kansas state and that's what's supposed to be near and dear to his heart. And it probably still is. I'm just saying your, your impressions of how he did this probably depends on how your feelings feel that he probably tried to negotiate pretty hard for this particular job at this time. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, guys. Um, I don't feel great about how this worked out on Brad Underwood's end and how this was really handled uh, from all the information I've received. And, you know, there's been some people that are trying to say that, uh, you know, I'm being just a mouthpiece for the athletic department and sticking up for them. That's ridiculous. Okay. I talked to way more people than just people in the athletic department. Well, not just uh, that. Go, go check the tweets from whatever whatever the hell day Chris Kleiman was hiding. Don't, no, no, we don't need to go yeah. there. We don't go want back to and check to those that. tweets there and see if he's a shill for the athletic department. Yeah. You know, or, so or, or your criticisms of Gene Taylor during when Iowa State got the Camping World Bowl. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I have alienated all yeah. kinds of personal drama with uh, all of us in the media over that uh, thing. Yeah, I have alienated people over the things that I've said. All right, I'm, I'm definitely uh, there's people that don't like me in the athletic department. All right, let's just say that. And so I'm not being a mouthpiece. I believe in presenting the facts. I believe the truth matters. I'm a former beat writer. Uh, I work in PR, right? But I, I believe that facts matter. So I'm not just going to go off what one person tells me in these situations. I'm going to get secondary sources. And, you know, look, this, this outreach from Brad Underwood, it, it was initiated by his camp. This was not Kansas State. 
Nobody thought Brad Underwood was a realistic possibility two weeks ago, right? Nobody in their wildest dreams. That dream had died. We had given up on it. The success that Illinois had last year, um, the great season, getting a one seed. I, in my wildest dreams with the buyout, the new contract he signed last year, a buyout of upwards of $10 million, I didn't think there was any way K-State could raise it. And before Kansas State's regular season ended, I was informed that Brad Underwood's camp had reached out and contacted K-State and expressed interest in the job, knowing that it was very likely to open up. And so, okay, I'm thinking this is genuine interest. That Brad Underwood really does want to come home. He's called it its dream job. He's 58 years old. Bob Huggins left Kansas State when he was 54, went home to West Virginia. He wanted to go home. He thought it was his last chance. You know, he really loves his alma mater. His family was there, his dad. He left. All right. I thought there was a chance at that point when Brad Underwood's camp reached out that, you know, maybe we could make something, maybe Kansas State could make something work. And, but I, I still didn't think they'd come up with the buyout money. And then we find out that Kansas State came up with the buyout money basically in a 24 hour period that they had raised it. You know, the donors, the athletic department worked very hard credit to the donors for stepping forward. I mean, a lot of people wanted Brad Underwood to come home. So they, they raised the money and the funds to make that work. There were some numbers exchanged of what could happen, you know, what, what might make it work. Kansas state presented those numbers. It wasn't enough. They went with another offer. It was a more than fair and reasonable offer, if you ask me. Very a competitive. More than fair and reasonable offer, if you ask me. Uh, uh, yeah, a, a more than competitive offer, a contract that was close to matching what he's making at Illinois, and uh, still wasn't enough. I mean, look, it's it's a business decision, but it, it didn't. And this is some of my personal feelings, right? Look, I love Brad Underwood. I covered Brad Underwood. I spoke to him many times, interviewed him. Uh, he told me it was a dream job. I, I wanted Brad Underwood home at Kansas State more than anybody. That was a dream to me. You guys saw me. I, I drew up a sign for my five-year-old and had him at <laughs> T-Mobile Center begging for Brad Underwood. wishes, by the way. Yes, I went against my wife's wishes of using my five-year-old as a pawn to get Brad Underwood <laughs> to come to Manhattan, all right? Yeah, Kansas State tried everything. They moved heaven and earth to try and make this work. You know, they, they went with multiple offers. They, they fought tooth and nail to try and get something to work, and it just didn't. Ultimately, it's a business decision. But to me, if you, if you really want to come back home, if you really, really love your alma mater and you value this, this seemed like the right time to do it. I'm not saying Brad Underwood doesn't have love for Kansas State. I think he does. He's obviously got a good thing going at Illinois. But this was a very good time for him. You look at Illinois' roster next year. I mean, that. <laughs> With what's happened in the NCAA tournament the last two years, they haven't they haven't scored 60 points in their last three tournament games. All right, they've been held in the 50s in all three games. You know, they haven't made it past the round of 32. It's now five years in. They're very unlikely to have a Sweet 16 team next year. They may not even make the NCAA tournament. I, I think they they've got a decent recruiting class coming in, but they lose their best players by far. They're going to have to rebuild some things, uh, and he may be able to do it. But this seemed like a timeline that would fit. It's disappointing it didn't work out. And, and I just feel like if you're going to reach out and express interest to Kansas State, you know what Kansas State's limitations are if you're Brad Underwood, all right? You know what Kansas State's financial limitations are, how far they can stretch this. They stretched it beyond what I would have ever imagined. They moved mountains to try and make this work, and it still wasn't enough. Brad Underwood could not have expected Kansas State to pay upwards of $5 million a year. That's not realistic and honestly not warranted for what he has done so far in his career. 
You cannot pay a basketball coach that's not physically responsible to be able to do that. And Kansas State was trying to get donor support to help with some of the salary as well. So uh, me personally, maybe it's just naive by me thinking that, uh, you know, your love for your alma mater runs so deep that you would give up maybe a little bit of a few dollars when Kansas State's offering generational wealth that's guaranteed to you. Uh, I was clearly wrong and it, it didn't work out. Brad Underwood's probably not going to have a chance to come back to Manhattan again to be the coach of Kansas State. Uh, so that dream's probably dead, and Kansas State ended up with the next best situation in my mind. I guess to me, Cole, like the bottom line is, yes, there is a part here where it's like a lot. You, you expect the alum to be more like lollipops and unicorns about coming back home and all that stuff. And I was probably a little too naive to that at first in thinking that that would be a factor. At the end of the day, though, I'm not naive enough to realize that it is a business, and it wouldn't have shocked me if you would have told me before Brad reached out to K-State that that was how he felt and – and that there wouldn't have been like that real genuine interest in doing it. That's all fine and good. And I would never begrudge Brad for that at all. Totally get it. I mean, as annoying as Illinois fans are and as overhyped as they make that job out to be, it, it is a better job than K-State. But the thing that kills me about it and the thing that rubs me the wrong way about it is if you're the one that's going to reach out initially with the interest and dangle that and tease K-State and know that you're taking up their time, energy, and effort that could be spent on other candidates here, and you're potentially harming their position and hiring the next guy when you're not really all that serious about it in the end. Maybe it was a negotiating ploy for a raise, maybe not, but you clearly were not that serious about it because K-State made a serious enough offer that he could have easily come without some PR hit that he's taking a pay cut or anything like that. Like People would have understood if you're going to do that whole song and dance and not actually be serious enough to take that kind of an offer, then don't waste K-State's time in the first place. That That's the part of it to me that is very frustrating here at the end of the day. It's what's bothered me the most because, uh, you know, if Kansas State had just outreached to Brad Underwood and just said, hey, are you, are you interested? And he would have just said, no, it's just not a good time. Totally would have get got that. But by expressing the initial outreach and interest to Kansas State, it just felt like it wasted a lot of people's time. And it still worked out, but uh, you made a lot of people uh, move, move some mountains to try and make something work that uh, it just never seemed like it, it got overly serious in the conversations based off, I mean, offers exchange. But, you know, Kansas State couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, they, they did not want to wait. And uh, I, I don't – I'm not going to say – that Brad Underwood use Kansas State or necessarily leverage Kansas State. I truthfully don't know that, and, and that would be unfair of me to say. Uh, if he got another contract extension from Illinois in the next week or two, I, I mean, I would be surprised by that, given that he's gotten two in the last two years and, you know, what's happened in the NCAA tournament. I'd be surprised by it. But if he did get a contract extension, you know, again, a third in three years, then I think the perception could be that. But again, you know, there's no reason for Illinois to feel pressured into that now because Kansas State was the biggest threat to lure Brad Underwood away, and now they've fulfilled their job. I don't think there's another job out there um, that potentially lures him away at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that look, that'll close the book on, on Brad Underwood. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to – again, there's some frustration there from me, but it all worked out. So, you know, water under the bridge for the most part here. And you just move forward and be excited about Tang and, and what's to come, which to me starts with to kind of put finishing touches on this and next steps and what's going to happen is the staff. And, and what is the staff going to look like under Tang? And that is one of the most encouraging pieces of this whole puzzle to me so far. DY is like what we're hearing about potential staffers 
that Tang could put together. What we're hearing about things that he is asking for commitment-wise from K-State in terms of support staff and everybody else that you can throw there. I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Texas? It may have been Tech under Chris Beard a couple of years ago, rolled into Bramlage, and I just remember looking down the bench and seeing, like, I mean, it was like 100 guys in suits on the bench, and you're just like, who? How are they paying for all these guys? Like, what are these guys doing? Like, who? I mean, I think K-State is going to be beefing some things up here because Tang wants that to happen, and because now, look, we know that donors had a lot of money available. K-State is saving a lot of money. Uh, based on what they would have had to pay Brad to come here, you have some extra wiggle room there. I think it's all an equation, all an equation uh, for K-State putting together a really nice staff here in the tank. Yeah, it's kind of a trend with Gene Taylor. As soon as he hires his guy, uh, his coach, he invests in that program even more. Um, he did that with Pete Hughes. He hired the baseball coach, and then you got all those new facilities at about the same time, right? Beefed up the baseball venues and – uh, kind of gave them a leg up maybe when recruiting against their peers in that way. Then Chris Kleiman's hired, and what do they do? They beefed up that support staff too with the hire of a Chuck Lilly and, and some other support staffers since, a couple more analysts, a couple more quality control um, coaches. And and now we're hearing that the same thing is probably going to transpire under Jerome Tang. And, and I think part of that is Gene Taylor wants to invest in his guys and make sure that they're well-equipped to have success because – his legacy is contingent upon their success too, right? I mean, Gene Taylor's, you know, his pedigree, legacy, how he will be remembered, the how he will be viewed in terms of success will be contingent upon how Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang do. And so it makes sense that he would devote more resources to those hires once he makes them. But I, I think also is when you start to interview these candidates, um, they have questions for these schools at the same time, right? It's not just a one-sided interview. Jerome Tang wants to know how much you're going to invest in him so that he doesn't, you know, fall flat because he's put in an impossible position. The same thing with Chris Kleiman. They want to know that they're going to have the the freedom to make perhaps these additional hires. So, yeah, we, we think those – you'll probably have a more guys on the bench – um, just like you saw with Chris Beard a few years ago. That was back when they still wore suits too, right? They don't wear those anymore um, to basketball games. Uh, and I think, I mean, we hear some rumors about who may come with them um, from Waco uh, internally. I don't think anyone on the Baylor staff, like as a full-time assistant, will come with them. I know there's been rumors about Alvin Brooks. I think we've pretty much confirmed that that's pretty unlikely at this point, especially to see Alvin Brooks tweet um, on Monday, kind of basically saying goodbye to Jerome Tang. I think that's a pretty good hint that he's not going to come with them to Manhattan. Maybe some support staffers at Baylor will. I think we've heard some rumblings about that being a potential. And I think he's going to take big swings. Look, I, I, I showed, or I read that quote earlier in this podcast saying that they think a lot of industry sources believe that there's going to be more, assistant coach options available to Jerome Tank just because of how respected he is, how people want to work with him, work for him, because they think that much of him as a person and as a coach. Um, so they're going to take some big swings, and I, I would not be surprised. I don't know how much detail we want to share because, you know, I think some things are kind of under lock and key still at the moment just because of the ramifications, because they might still be employed somewhere else that 
doesn't wish to lose them, but I think he's well, going to take some one, big one of the names. One of the names has already floated out in the podcast already. It was not directly labeled as say maybe a K-State staffer, but you know, if you want a little Easter egg, you go back and listen. One of the, one of the biggest names was already revealed here. Yeah. I, I just think it would not be, I'll say this. I would not shock me if they steal away a, an assistant coach from other big 12 schools at this point. I think, I think that would probably almost be probable. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some rumors out there and some information that's uh, trickling in. And, uh, you know, we won't say any names, but a, a chance to have a very exciting staff if you're a Kansas State fan, if, if some of these come to fruition. So it'll be very interesting to watch this unfold over the next week to two weeks and see what type of staff he assembles. I agree with what you guys said, DY, especially. I, I think there's going to be more guys on the bench probably. Uh, I think Kansas State's going to really support Jerome Tang in that sense. Uh, and then the other thing to consider is look, Bruce Weber made $2.8 million this last year. They're paying Jerome Tang 2.1. I mean, that's, that's some nice savings there, right? Now I know they had to pay a million dollar buyout. However, that's funded. Um, and the goal obviously is to give Jerome Tang a new contract, probably in a couple of years and a big raise. If everything works out the way that you want it to, you're going to be giving him a new deal soon and paying him a lot more, but you've got some initial savings, hopefully. And, and, you know, maybe you could talk some donors into some of that money that was earmarked just to go to Illinois to buy out Brad Underwood. If you could just talk him into using a tenth of that on support staff and assistance to help land a couple high profile guys. I mean, that could that could be uh, well used resources. We'll see what what transpires on that front. But um, there's some money there. Hopefully you can play with to, to get a couple key assistants that will really help Jerome Tang uh, build a great program here. Yeah, it's a six-year deal, right? At two point one million a year, and it goes up a hundred thousand per year. And one, let's put it this way: one shape or way or form, that contract's not going to get played out. It's either he's not going to make it. Six, I mean, he'll probably make it that long, but if he does, there's going to be an extension before that point. It's just that that contract it's not going to play itself out in that in that form. Well, we already saw what happened with what Gene Taylor was willing to do with Chris Kleiman, right? After one year, you know, they went eight and won eight games and he got a new contract. Uh, you know, they bumped up his pay to be more competitive. I would not be surprised if Kansas state made an NCAA tournament appearance next year, that they're giving Jerome Tang a brand new contract and extension, right? It depends how it goes, but I think there's a very good chance a year from now he's getting a new deal. And, and some of that is you just, you have to kind of push that salary up a little bit, right guys, just so you can also, push the buyout up a little bit just yeah. to make them, make yeah. them tougher. Yeah, the buyout too. is too low right now. Yeah, the buyout's only $5 million and it goes down each year as well. So he's easy to be stolen theoretically at this point. But you also can't justify a high buyout if his salary is only $2.1 million. So it's justifiable at this point. But you're going to have to jack the salary up if you want to protect him against other suitors. Uh, one thing I will say, I've, I've seen – I've gotten some text today concerned, well, what if – Jerome Tang is successful. He could leave us in a year or two. Brad Underwood probably would have been a lifer at Kansas State, right? And that's that's the concern when you hire outside. And well, I would just say that Kansas State now knows that they've uh, they've got some donors that are willing to support the basketball program, right? And have success. And you call those donors up again if Jerome Tang's having success and they're happy with it, you can hopefully talk them into uh, to helping get that salary up to what they were willing to maybe even offer Brad Underwood. Right. So I think there's some support there. You know, that there's maybe some more resources that maybe didn't exist in the minds of us at another point that uh, they can float that way. If Jerome Tang is highly successful early, just to keep him in Manhattan, keep him happy. 
But also, I, probably- I don't want to be too naive here. I'm not going to be too naive here. But it is worth pointing out he spent 19 years with Scott Drew. So it's, this is not like a job jumping guy. I'm aware of the business. I'm aware mm-hmm. of like what if Scott Drew retires? What if he leaves? Like, yes, there are definitely threats. But I think that they're minimized at least somewhat compared to your, your total average Joe candidate that you would have bought from somewhere else. The other thing is, who in the he- – I mean, after we, what we just explained to you about Brad Underwood and his career and how he operates and the business and all that, who is to say that Brad Underwood would have stayed for the rest of his career? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he's – the age, I guess, may have been a factor there. But I everything about how that went down and how his career has unfolded would not make me feel like Jerome Tang is a lock to be somebody that would have bolted before Brad Underwood. I'm sorry. And not, and not to say that he's in the last chapter of his career. He, he's, he's really not. But he is 55 years old, so it's not like – He's prepared to do a lot of job job hopping at this point of his career either, um, just because of that. I mean, he's shown he's not a job hopper. And if he's really, you know, kind of sought out Kansas State and picked this job and other opportunities, it kind of shows maybe he has some loyalty or would have some loyalty anyways. And you have to remember he picked them, but they they picked him too. So I, I think there would be some loyalty there at some point too that would surprise some people but let's not let's also not get ahead of ourselves uh he, he hasn't coached the game yet either. yeah to, to earlier things we talked about and alluded to right one of the benefits of hiring a guy from the big 12 who's been here so long he kind of knows what he's getting into right with kansas state and you know it's not like hiring a guy from the east coast that comes to manhattan kansas his family doesn't really like it jerome tang's been to manhattan 19 times Right. He knows kind of what it's like, what the atmosphere is like. And so he knows what he's getting into. It's not going to be a shock to the system when he gets here. Uh, gosh, uh, the culture here, everything. I, I didn't really I didn't envision this uh, not happy family, et cetera. He he knows this is a good fit for him because he's he's been able to experience this. So uh, I like that aspect of it. All right, well, there's an emptying of the notebook, basically, with everything going on right now with Jerome Tang, the hire, Brad Underwood, all the drama that unfolded over the last week and a half. That is a typical coaching search, right? I mean, I don't I don't think any coaching search, rarely, anyway, it is a coaching search, go without any sort of drama. It's what makes it uh, great for business, for guys like Derek Young, and, uh, you know, fun for everybody else involved here as well. So we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be bringing you more of these podcasts as things happen. More details on that. Stay tuned. Always appreciate Holiday Distillery and 360 Vodka. Again, raise your celebratory glasses, pour some 360 Vodka, and celebrate K-State making uh, what appears to be on paper a hell of a hire with Jerome Tang as now the head coach of your Kansas State Wildcats. So appreciate all the work of uh, BJ and Tucker behind the scenes. For Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening once again to another podcast here Kansas City Sports Network. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.